Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's almost like this period was forcing us to look inside because we couldn't go outside encouraging us to make changes to not only create a better world for ourselves but for others where well, we've all been pushed around hello and welcome to it's complicated with tanya goodin the podcast that helps you untangle your relationship with your phone cuz we've all been This is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world and about understanding why sometimes that's so hard to do because in learning how to step away from our phones more we're actually learning how to focus more on our relationships our work and our health leaving us happier healthier and with hours more time in our day I'm your host, Tanya Goodin, author and founder of digital well-being movement Time to Log Off. Each week, I'll be asking a new guest what they've learned about themselves from the relationship they have with the tiny tyrant in their pocket, their smartphone. Welcome back to It's Complicated, and I've got a real treat for you at the end of series 6. I've got my first ever returning guest. I spoke to Vex King and his wife Koshal together for series 2 of the podcast and I have been wanting to get him back for a long time and he's just released a book which seemed to me so perfect for everything we've been thinking about our relationship with social media why it's tricky for so many of us why there are so many difficult things that happen online what we all need to think about when we're using social media and we're using technology so i'm talking today to vex king who is the number one sunday times best selling author of good vibes good life he's a social media content creator and a mind coach and there's been quite a lot said over the course of the six series about some of the negative experiences a lot of us have had with so-called influencers and social media content creators there are a lot of fakes there are a lot of charlatans around but vex is the real deal he's an incredibly genuine thoughtful very caring guy and i think that comes across so much in his writing in the writing he shares on his social media platforms and in his books which is why he is so successful he experienced himself a huge amount of challenges when he was growing up his father died when he was just a baby his family were often homeless and he grew up in very troubled neighborhoods where he regularly experienced violence and racism 
And despite that, he turned his life completely around and he's now a major voice in the world of personal development. So I'm talking to him today largely about his new book, Healing is the New High, which is a guide to overcoming emotional turmoil and finding freedom. We could all do with a bit of that now, couldn't we? And it's just so perfectly timed for what I hope is us coming out of the end of this pandemic. And he talked to me about what happens when we're forced to slow down, when we're forced to kind of go inwards, when we can't go outwards. And when we start addressing why we might have wanted to stay busy. And he says, of course, the key to healing or achieving anything great in our lives is self-awareness. And we talk a lot about that, the self-awareness of why we're using social media, for example. And he cites social media as one of the ways people try and escape from dealing with problems, from confronting issues they might have in their life. So he talks about why we need self-awareness when we're using social media, because we need to know what's going to trigger us. Um, we need to know what isn't a positive experience. And we need to know how to, how to deal with that, how to react with things that we will inevitably come across. What I really loved about his book and what I love about Vex himself as a person is the book is spiritual. There's a lot of spiritual teaching, but it's incredibly practical. And Vex himself is an incredibly practical kind of hands-on guy. And throughout all his teaching, throughout all his writing online, he's always coming up with very direct and easy to implement techniques that we can all use to just make ourselves feel better, to look after ourselves. As I said, he's one of the nicest, most genuine guys I've interviewed in the course of doing this podcast. One of the great pleasures of doing this podcast is that I get to meet people like Vex. I read his book from cover to cover and I couldn't recommend it and him more highly. I really hope you enjoy my chat with Vex King. So, hi Vex. It's so great to be talking to you again. Um, I know. I, it's, it's, been, it's been a long time. It? It's two years yeah. since I came to your house and interviewed you for, I think, the second series of the podcast. We're now on series six. Yeah, it was just after we got married, I think. So yeah, yeah, it, it was, was the following yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I remember it so vividly because it was the cleanest house I have ever <laughs> visited. It was spotless. <laughs> it was so clean. I, that was I'm before you got sure the dog, it's... though. So yeah, maybe to be slightly fair, less cleaner. Well, he's quite a clean dog, to be honest, and we're quite clean people. But I think during the course of the pandemic, it has gotten a little bit messy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so the, the reason I wanted to talk to you, apart from the fact that you were one of my favourite guests, and you're the first ever guest to have back a second time. Thank you was really I mean it's sort of connected with your new book and it's connected with the pandemic I I'm always trying to find people or talk to people who are doing something really positive with social media and the digital world and the quotes that you post every day on your Instagram feed I think are one of the things that really helped me get through the pandemic get through the last year and I'm sure lots of other people have said that to you they're so inspiring and motivating and you have a new book out 
tomorrow when this podcast goes out it'll be actually out tomorrow um on the 13th of april so i really wanted to get you on to talk to you about the book um, which i have read cover to cover vex um and it's about it's called healing is the new high it's published by hay house and it's out 13th of april and it's about healing isn't it self-healing from trauma so it was written during a time of global trauma so i suppose i wanted to start by saying was it prompted by the pandemic was it something you were already writing or thinking about did you change direction because of the pandemic it just seemed to be so timely um, yeah, that it's coming out now that's a good question so funnily enough i had already planned and agreed to write a second book on inner healing but I actually told my publisher that I'd do it when I felt inspired to do so. Otherwise, the content might seem a bit forced or rushed. I actually said that intuitively, I'd know when it was the time to write. So before the pandemic happened, I was planning to travel to the US and just do a bit of work out there, get myself a little bit established, I suppose, over in, this, over, over in the States. But then as soon as the pandemic happened and the lockdown happened, I felt this need and desire to write about healing because I knew this time was going to affect people in different ways. And I suppose I could already see it in some people's reactions to the news. A lot of possible repressed emotions were resurfacing and also old truths were coming to light, things that we almost had to face. And this goes beyond the pandemic, because it includes some of the protests that took place around systematic racism. There was a lot of unconscious beliefs that we had to address, not only individually, but as a society. And it's almost like this period was forcing us to look inside because we couldn't go outside. It was encouraging us to make changes to not only create a better world for ourselves, but for others. And The more I observed, the greater need I felt to write. So I could finally conceptualize my research and experiences around inner healing so I could guide other people. Um, It was also a given that we were going to experience losses during this period, a loss of people, our own health, our sanity, experiences, holidays, etc. And while our way of dealing with death and our process of mourning isn't something that needs to be healed as such because you know it's just a part of the human experience and we all grieve in different ways i personally wanted to provide almost like a companion that would offer support when people needed it most i mean during the pandemic i lost quite a few people myself um, actually during the writing of the book including my nan And I wasn't able to see her, which was pretty difficult in itself. You've dedicated the book to her, haven't you? Yeah, Um, I did. I think actually writing the book during during the process was was healing in itself. But so one thing I wanted to to mention, I think it's important to also point out that when we're forced to slow down, we're also forced to address why we might have wanted to remain busy, perhaps We wanted to avoid the present moment because we didn't feel comfortable or happy with it. We live in a time where a lot of us know more about what celebrities had for lunch than why we feel a certain way. 
a lot of us have lived focusing on other people's lives or the social superficial sorry aspects of society some of us might have bought expensive things to impress people who have no concern over our well-being yet being stuck inside we've had no one to show those things to for validation and some of us used technology to stay connected instead of being physically connected and now we're simply sick and tired of another zoom call and a lot of the time we regret not making time for our loved ones some of us lived for future plans and now we're almost made or we're almost forced to make the most of the present moment the only moment that actually exists this period has i think personally been perfect for people to start observing listening researching self-educating and reflecting to really know themselves and reevaluate the way they live their life it's been a time for healing so we can let go of unconscious beliefs that have restricted us from finding our happiness and living as our true selves and our greatest lives and so for me this was the perfect period to get a guide together which would help people on their inner healing journey so i suppose you know everything just worked out as it as it, it was all came to. together yeah, yeah definitely i was really struck right at the beginning of the book you're talking about all the ways in which people avoid going inwards and avoid mm. that self-healing and you talk about all those temporary highs that we think are going to make us feel better but actually don't and I underline the bit where you said you talk about feeding an addiction to food, sex, work or social media. Given that we've all been indoors <laughs> and yep. we've all, you know, we've all not been able to kind of go out. Do you think social media has been used by people to, to get high, to avoid, you know, going inwards in that way and to escape from dealing with pain? Yeah, it's, it's weird me saying this because... You know, a lot of people label me as a social media figure, influencer, content creator, whatever they want to call me. And I love social media and it's helped you reach so many people, but I'm very aware of its dangers. So a lot of platforms actually want us to be addicted, to keep us there. And whoever's listening to this right now, if you've got Netflix, I highly recommend watching social dilemma i know it might create some kind of fear or panic in people but i think it's just good to be aware of Brilliant, how isn't it? Yeah. yeah it really does bring certain issues to light because these social media platforms know exactly how to keep us addicted by encouraging the release of dopamine so dopamine is a feel-good hormone which is a key component of our reward system and actually plays a major role in addiction so for example, when we go on social media and we get a like or share, we feel good and accomplished through the release of dopamine and we crave that feeling again. So we continue to try and experience it again through the platforms. Mm. With any addiction or unhealthy synthetic high, there's always an after effect and usually it's in the form of withdrawals. So when the high fades, we can almost feel lost or diminished and then we crave it again. But the question is, why? Why Why does that happen? Why do we, do we feel that way? What is it that makes us seek that high through external means and often encourages us to escape the present moment to feel good? And when you dig deeper, you tend to find some form of pain and come to the realisation that we tend to manage this pain by looking for temporary temporary relief strategies such as sex, drugs, 
alcohol, work, mm. and of course, social media. And there's been a lot written in the press, hasn't there, about over the last year of about drinking going up, about eating, about people yeah. not being able to get away from their screens. So you're right in this. You know, I started off talking about the collective trauma. Yeah. There've been there have been people going inwards. I know because I've heard people talk about how they've they've been introspective, but there've been an awful lot of people not doing that, just using all these synthetic highs, as you say, to escape. Yeah, I think people have just been trying to manage the pain and maybe find relief during a period that's been difficult and that's why they have formed certain addictions and sometimes they might not even realize that they're forming these addictions but they're unconsciously going towards them just so they can feel better and manage the current moment that they're in and that's why inner healing is so integral to our journeys so one of the most toxic elements, and I've talked about it a lot on the podcast of, of the digital, is comparison culture. And yes. you actually wrote quite a lot about it in the book. And you also talked about how it was something you used to suffer from yourself, comparing yourselves constantly. Yeah. I loved this bit um, where you wrote about social media and you said, we can use our tendency to compare ourselves to others to inspire and motivate us. And having aspirations isn't a bad thing. But if we haven't learned how to be discerning and analysed our thoughts and where they come from using mindfulness and awareness, comparison can hurt us. So I wondered if you thought that actually we shouldn't use social media until we've done that healing work, because if we haven't done that, and I, I'm going to, you've got some really interesting stuff to say about trolls, which I want to talk <laughs> about in a minute. Is social media just too difficult to deal with if you, you know, if you can't, just look at the stuff that's inspiring if you're still going to be triggered by the the comparisons i feel like we're always going to feel triggered to some extent not only on social media in, in real life like it's almost unavoidable so i wouldn't say that you need to heal fully if such a thing exists to use social media but it will help because one thing i've mentioned in the book is that the key to self-healing and pretty much accomplishing anything great in your life is exercising self-awareness. So mm. it's extremely important to know where your boundaries are on social media and knowing when you need to pause or disconnect, especially when you feel triggered. Similarly, it's important to realize which accounts actually nurture your happiness and growth and which ones simply prolong your anger, sadness, or envy. So you almost have to keep checking in with yourself as you use social media and perhaps ask yourself questions like, how does this content or person benefit my life? Could I do with some time off? Is this healthy for me right now? I think when you ask questions like this, it will inspire you to look for answers and hence encourage self-awareness and only then will you know what to do and how to develop a healthy relationship with social media just going back to your question i think committing to our healing work should be an ongoing process that will probably help you use social media more effectively and help you exercise self-awareness more readily so you know what you need at each given moment especially when you're online
I want to talk a bit about, you know, what happens if you haven't done the work to heal yourself and you go online because, uh, you know, the whole subject of trolling and how people mm -hmm. attack each other online is so topical today. You've probably seen the photos of Khloe Kardashian. Um, <laughs> kind of leaked just... online. Yeah, yeah my... did she show you? Yeah. She literally just showed me just before the interview. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's just, you know, the attack and abuse that's been directed at her for an unfiltered, unretouched photo has just been so shocking. I actually found some research a few months ago that said that nearly 30% of US adults, this was a survey was just done in the States, admitted that they've attacked someone online they don't know. Um, wow. And that's people who've admitted that vex. So just think how many more people there might actually be. So there's a lot of unhealed people lashing out yeah. online. And you talk about that in the book. You, you, you talk about imagining scrolling on social media and coming across something that triggers you and then making an agreement with yourself that you'll give yourself a certain amount of time to pause, let it sink in and consider how you want to respond. How much of what you wrote about the whole kind of trolling experience was, was from your personal experience? Have you had bad experiences with it? Have you in Koshal, is it something you've struggled with? Yeah, so personally, it's something that Koshal's probably struggled with a little bit more. But, you know, we've, we've had issues. And in all honesty, unless, you know, there's changes in laws, we're going to continue to face trolls while we put ourselves out there on the internet. It's it's almost like a given these days because on social media, you get to say what you want without facing real life repercussions. And you know what? Some of it's like pretty bad, especially for us. There was a point where people were internet stalking us through family members. And actually, you know, I, m I mentioned my nan dying earlier. But, you know, my nan died right at the start of the pandemic. I think it was around eight, March or April 2020. And I shared it on social media and just told people respectfully that I needed some time off as an act of self-care and just, you know, to be there with my family as you would do when someone close to you passes away. But during this time, I actually received messages from people who for some reason were really offended by my first book. And they'd send me stuff like, your book is pathetic, you've fluked your success and don't deserve it, I'm going to make sure that I get everyone I know to rate your book down. And then someone actually went on to say, I hope you die and join the grave with your nan. Um, oh, now I, oh. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it was just very, very over the top. and. To me, it was quite concerning, to be honest, because, I mean, first of all, the book's just a book about positivity. But, you know, why why does it make you want to send me those messages? Someone that's in a vulnerable position. And, you know, I'm thankful that I have this mental resilience that I've developed throughout my lifetime. But, you know, for someone else, if they'd received those messages, like, how would they, they have coped? And with Koshal in particular, like it got very challenging for her and she literally developed this great fear and dislike for social media because of the amount of trolling she received and then obviously this affected her well-being in the physical world and admittedly it did put a strain on our relationship because you know she wasn't in the best place 
So her hurt would trigger pain in me, which would then make me a source of hurt. And together we really had to grow and help one another. So we'd stop hurting each other and actually hurting those around us as well. So if what you're saying is we all need to pause and stop when we're triggered, why is that not happening? Does it simply come down to not healing not healing the trauma? You know, there's a lot of angry people lashing out on yeah. social media. Is that is that what we think it's all about? That it's just kind of human nature? And as you say, you know, you, you don't see the person in front of you, so it somehow feels okay? It's almost like our, our minds or our brains work on uh, work on autopilot. So, you know, our subconscious minds, for example, drive, I think, 95% of our life. Um, so when we're driving or when we're doing certain routine things, you know, the brain makes our life a little bit easier. It helps us navigate the world quite effortlessly. And a lot of the time, people are reacting to triggers in the most common way that they know um, it's the way that they've always reacted to these triggers and a lot of the time it's to protect themselves it's to protect their identity it's because they fear losing their identity or whatever it is and I think that people don't catch themselves at the right time because they just run on autopilot they just carry on living in this kind of perpetual cycle that just repeats itself constantly again and again without ever questioning whether their reactions are actually helpful and empowering and helps them move forward with their lives and I don't think a lot of people question their beliefs and question whether they're actually helpful or if, if they're actually harmful that's why I think healing is so integral to every single individual in this world because once you start noticing or creating the shift within yourself, you actually extend that healing energy out into the physical world. And collectively, we can make the world a much better place to live in. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience 
every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You talked about coming off social media when your nan died for kind of self-care. And I'm thinking when you're talking about trolling and the experiences that you've had that you're making yourself very vulnerable in some of the things you're sharing in this book, in your latest book. I was particularly struck by your description of the kind of really toxic relationship you were in a good few years ago. I mean, it was it was really raw, like a very strong passage where you wrote about that. And I think it's going to resonate with so many people. We've all been in that one really bad relationship. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and when I was reading it, I was so relating to it. But I also thought, gosh, that's so brave of you to put it out there. And particularly to put it out there because you've got a public platform where people can attack you. Do you do you ever worry about that when you I mean when you were writing that, did you think I'm gonna open myself up here and you know, I know what might happen via yeah. my platforms. You know, did it, was yeah. it hard to do? So I think nowadays, I think people are finding it hard to be real because they see how much others are enjoying the fake, especially through social media. The truth isn't always comforting and it might ask you to question everything you've ever believed or felt safe in knowing. On social media, while I promote ideas around positivity, kindness and love, I don't deviate away from the suffering and realities we might face. I think those that do are usually neglecting the suffering because they're living through the fear of having to face it. So when I go on social media or even when I write, I don't hold back. Even when I revisit the past, I illustrate precisely how I felt and viewed the world at that time even if it isn't the most attractive. I try to be as honest as I can about certain things, even if it truthfully isn't good for me in a traditional terms, in, in traditional terms of publicity. When you lay yourself bare in front of the world, you do leave yourself open to being judged, criticised and often made to feel a bit awkward, especially when you know these people in real life. So the relationship that I spoke about at the beginning of my book, I had briefly mentioned it to my wife, but I don't think I'd gone into that much detail. So even when she read it, you know, she questioned it. And then some of my friends who have early copies of the book read the introduction and they asked me who that was about and they didn't know that I felt that way. But with strangers, what people might do is, you know, if I talk about something in the past, they might twist things or use certain things I've said against me, even if they have to change the context or stretch it out just to adhere to their own motive. I know this comes with what I'm doing 
but it's a very big but to heal and to move forward with our lives we have to keep it real and by me keeping it real perhaps i can inspire others to do the same and perhaps i can connect with people who resonate with some of the things that i say like you said yourself maybe those things are ideas that they're too embarrassed maybe to share or say out loud and i've basically given them a voice through my platform and my writing or maybe they're things they've repressed but when they hear me talk about it they realize that actually it's quite normal to feel like that or it's not wrong to feel like that even if it's not healthy the thing with my work is that i try to share real stories real experiences and you know real thoughts that i had even if they don't sound good but i also focus on providing practical solutions yeah yeah i mean and that that passage both i think inspired and also with me you know just one reader made me stop and think so it did exactly what you were intending it to do so my other i have to say one of the bits of the book that really stayed with me afterwards and it's quite a short passage but it i just thought it was really powerful was the story of the two waves it was such a strong metaphor i was wondering if you could tell everyone about it i don't want to spoil it by describing it but it was really powerful i thought yeah i actually when i heard this story i thought it was really powerful and it it moved me in a way that you know i didn't expect it to i suppose so th- this story was basically taught to me by a teacher from a school of thought called Advaita Vedanta, which basically means non-duality. And in the book, I've shared this story, but adapted it in my own way. I don't quite know the origins of this story. I don't know if it's almost like a fable that's passed down, but I do believe that it's really powerful because it serves as a reminder that there's a you beyond the physical body and our thoughts that's always there. And that you is basically connected to everything else and in essence is part of the everythingness that we sometimes label the divine the universe universal consciousness or whatever else you want to call everything that is and the story basically goes like this so there's two waves that are rushing towards the shore and the first wave is anxious and thinking at 100 miles an hour about what's going to happen such as you know, once I reach, reach the shore, I'll, I'll break and my life will be over. I want to be away f- for longer or I want to slow down and take in the experience, but I can't stop myself or the other wave is bigger and faster. I wish I was bigger and faster or I'm scared. I want this to stop. The first wave basically lives with panic and stress and doesn't enjoy the experience of moving towards the shore. It's not able to appreciate the journey and take in all the beauty of the surrounding ocean. It's worrying about the end or what might what might go wrong um, and also like trying to gain control or change the situation. However, the second wave is calm and peaceful and it approaches the shore at the same pace. But instead of panicking, it has thoughts like this is a beautiful life. I'm happy I got the chance to be away for these few moments. I won't break or die when I hit the shore because I'll simply go back to the ocean. I came from the ocean and I'll return to it. It is what I am and I am what it is. This is how I'm meant to be. 
You see, the second wave realizes what it is at its core, and that allows it to head towards the shore with peace and steadiness, while the first wave is too disturbed by the impressions they've picked up since becoming a wave and losing their wave status, thus not being able to enjoy the transitory experience. So we're basically the wave and the universe is the ocean. And once we establish that connection and know we can return to that feeling that connects us to everything else, anytime we want, we can approach life with more ease and steadiness regardless of the life we've lived, just like the second wave. Yeah, it's really beautiful. As you were reading it, I was I was getting emotional again as I was when I read it the first time. It made me think about the way different people have dealt with the pandemic, actually, as well, about the yeah. two kind of, and also about life and the, the bigger picture. What's your favourite part of the book? What's the bit that you go back to and are the kind of proudest of, enjoy the most when you reread oh. it? That's a, that's a tough question. That's probably the toughest question of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your baby. Oh. It's hard to choose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's chapter. I think it's the, the the chapter on the the mental body, just because it's so vast, and I think just because there's so much detail and it's so practical that particular particular chapter I think it's just going to help a lot of people I think don't get me wrong I think that the whole book's going to help or I hope it's going to help a lot of people but I just think the depth behind that chapter really represents what the book's all about and I've tried to deliver you know a, a spiritual teaching in a very practical way I've always said this with my work and even with my teachers especially when it comes to yoga science, one of the main teachings is that you shouldn't reject any teaching that's out there. You should listen or read or whatever it is. You should take on every reading or lesson or whatever it is. You shouldn't reject it, but you shouldn't always accept it as the truth. You should just put faith in it. When you put faith in it, you'll act on it. And when you act on it, and experience it for yourself, only then can that knowledge turn to wisdom. And I feel like in the world right now, what we have is a lot of people preaching ideas and concepts without actually living in line with them. But why don't they live in line with them? It's because we're almost taught to put on this front or put on this mask and pretend we're at a certain place in our lives or that we're happy all the time, we're positive all the time. But really happiness and you know, evolving is work. It requires dedication, commitment, and life isn't going to be perfect. And we need to also accept that as well, that, you know, there will be things that go wrong. We will be tested. We will feel triggered. You know, we will feel things that we don't necessarily feel, but we shouldn't reject those emotions. We should try to accept them. And only once we accept them can we transform them into something healthier. So what I really love about the book, as you just said a few minutes ago, is that combination of spiritual and practical, at which I think I think often in books you get one or the other. And I really love the journey that you took the reader through, through the seven bodies and the, you know, the very practical steps. And 
I just wanted to end by talking about the book about the, the section about self-care because I will out myself here and tell everyone that I emailed you midnight <laughs> last night. <laughs> right. Having So you've got this great book in the book where you ask everyone to write down their self-care kind of objectives and that, you know, daily self-care, weekly self-care, monthly self-care. And I did that because I thought this is really useful. I've never actually written this down before and thought about all the things I do for self-care. And one of them was try and get to sleep early <laughs> try not to be working and I emailed you at midnight last night and thought oh no yeah. I've fallen at the first hurdle so yeah tell me a bit more about the kind of the practicality of that bit about what we could all be doing more for self-care and why that's so important for healing it's funny you say that you know you, you kind of <laughs> failed at the first hurdle but you know what I'm sure there's other nights where you got to sleep earlier. And I think with self-care, self-care looks different for each and every person. So when I wrote the book, I was tempted to provide a self-care routine. But then what I thought might happen is that if I provide a self-care routine, other people will try and imitate my self-care routine or try and copy it, you know, exactly as it is. But what fuels me and what nurtures my needs and my well-being might not be the same for everyone else. However, I think it's extremely important to have a routine in place which helps you meet your needs. And, you know, in the book, I talk about the seven bodies, but really, if we try and take the seven bodies as an overview, it's, it's really feeding your mind, body and spirit and doing things that support those three aspects of your existence and what we need to do to stay on track is to have a routine something which supports us so when we go out into the world and when we do go out into the world you know a lot of the times we're going to be tested I mean you know some people might be returning to their to their offices soon and they're going to come to face you know, certain colleagues that they might not get on with and they might go out, go on, the, you know, they might commute on trains and they might see someone that they don't particularly get on with or whatever it is. Like, there's always things that are going to test us and kind of knock our confidence or make us feel, you know, a little bit lower. So we need something in place as part of our daily lives to support us. So in my book, at the start, I've mentioned that a self-care routine is important and hopefully you do have something in place at least. And if you've read my first book and taken everything on board, I would assume that a lot of people have certain self-care ha habits that they've developed. But really, at the, at the end of the book, what, what I'm trying to get to is the fact that now that you understand yourself a little bit better... And now that you know what might need healing as such or what areas of your life need to be improved, you also know what to give yourself. So you can develop a self-care routine that encourages you to do that. And you don't need to wake up and say, right, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, F. And, you know, just 
suddenly plonk all these things into your daily routine because that's going to be overwhelming, exhausting, and you're more likely not going to stick with it. So you can start introducing things. You can introduce maybe three ideas into your weekly routine, sorry, your daily routine, your weekly routine, and then your monthly routine. And the other thing is, is that if you don't manage to do it, don't be too hard on yourself because these things are supposed to support you, not they're not supposed to be the source be of stick. stress. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to make a real effort. <laughs> I'm going to make a real effort to sleep, sleep. And I noticed actually one thing you and I both agree on. You talked about the power of a lovely aromatherapy bath. And I, that's definitely on my list, self-care list. Yeah. I do like a nice definitely. bath. Don't, definitely don't knock them until you've dried don't them. Don't stint on the oils. <laughs> that's what I say. Yeah. No, definitely. Vex, I've just got a final three questions that I ask everybody at the end of the podcast, which are a little bit different from the questions I asked you in Koshal four seasons ago. So this is going to be hard for you because you're a wordsmith. Yeah. But can you think of just three words to sum up your relationship with the digital world and technology? Mm, that is a good question. I suppose the first word that immediately comes to mind is revealing because technology or social media in particular has showed me what goes on in people's heads. If I take a look at Twitter, for example, people are tweeting based on reactions and a lot of the thought, you know, you could say Twitter's a toxic place, but really people are just sharing the thoughts that they hold in their heads, which they're probably too embarrassed or don't feel confident enough to share in real life. So it's really exposed what goes on in people's heads and actually how tragic or how, you know, harmful the environments are within people's heads. And also it's in terms of revelations, it's also helped me understand myself and how I might have used social media technology to escape the present moment. And thankfully, I've, I've developed a much more healthier relationship with myself and therefore with social media. Well, that's only the first word, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> I love it, though. It's, that's fascinating. No one's come up with that before. And I think oh. it's really interesting. Really interesting. <laughs> Right. Okay. So I suppose the second word, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have come out w with this word, but um, I would say helpful because social media's helped me reach and connect with so many people. Like I wouldn't be in this position. I wouldn't be able to release a book. I wouldn't have even gotten a book deal. I don't think if it wasn't for social media and for me having this audience that I've connected with. So you know, it's really helped me in terms of my career and just helped me spread a positive message, I think. And then my third word, again, probably quite common, but it'd either be informative or educational because, you know, I've learned so much through social media about myself, about other people, but also picked up new skills. This is not maybe just social media, but with technology, YouTube, I mean, how many times do you 
look at look for a YouTube video when you don't know how to do something. It, yeah. You know, it's it's so <laughs> all common. All the time, and, yes. Yeah, yeah, all the time, right? So, you know, it's been a blessing to have access to these these videos and this information, and also. I've also discovered a lot of breaking news through Twitter or other platforms as well. And I've become aware of certain things that are going on in the world because of people resharing certain stories. So, yeah, I think, you know, social media has also been very informative and educational. Yeah, absolutely. I completely, yeah, I completely agree with that. What do you wish you'd known about the digital world before you started kind of becoming fully immersed in it before you started using it to the extent that you're using it now well these are really deep questions (laughs) (laughs) I usually like pondering on them for a bit and then writing down my thoughts but um I know I'm sorry I'm really putting you on the spot no no I I like these questions though because you know it invites me to reflect on them I suppose I wish I knew what I was in for now I went online to share my thoughts with the world not realizing that it would be so much turmoil within the digital world. Perhaps I would have started addressing some of these issues around technology earlier and also upheld my own healthy boundaries earlier. I guess it would have given me clarity on the best approach to social media and the best way to help others. Yeah, I think I think none of us knew that was the thing, Vex. I think we've all been yeah. stumbling around in the dark, haven't we? Learning. Yeah, yeah. Learning it's definitely a learning process. It. it really yeah, is, no, yeah. Definitely. And finally, what's talking about learning? What do you think you've learned about yourself from the relationship you have with social media or your phone or or any aspect of the digital world? Yeah, so I'm going to very happily admit that I learned that I spent too much time on my phone and that it's kind of been responsible for my own mild form of addiction to my phone, I suppose. I think over the years, I've definitely learned to create distance between myself and technology. Our phones are connection and disconnection devices. I think, you know, they can bring us closer to those who are far away, but they disconnect us from those who are right in front of us. So we really have to tread carefully. And that's what I've learned about myself. And it's, you know, coming to that realisation, I think I've really adapted and changed the way I work. You know, even with social media, I, I try not to, it looks like I'm on my phone sometimes quite a bit, but I'm actually scheduling stuff. Um, I spend. Yeah, I wondered about know, that actually. Day. Yeah, you schedule yeah, in advance, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of the time now, and you know, a lot of people don't know this actually, but I've made this very clear to like my agent and other people around me that in the future I want to be at a stage where I don't have to be on my phone as much because, you know. I'd be in a place maybe where someone else is, you know, capturing what I say or what I do, um, or I can just go away. I, I would love, like, for example, I, w- I want to work on another book, but I want to just go away. I want to disconnect from the world because this is the best way for me to write and really get my message across. But sometimes it's difficult because you feel like you want to be there for others online and you want to keep building that connection to people online because I don't I don't believe in just growing my followers I, I, I believe in knowing my followers and who they are and what their dreams and aspirations are or what their fears and limitations 
uh, according to them. And that balance can be difficult to achieve. But the more I'm growing up, the, the kind of less I'm lured towards my phone and technology. And that's very strange coming from someone who spends or has spent a lot of time on social media. But yeah, that's just a very honest reflection, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, really honest. Thank you. Thanks so much, Vex. This has been absolutely brilliant. I want to encourage everybody to go out and get a copy of your book, Healing is the New High, out on the 13th of April, which is the day after this podcast appears. Is it out in the US as well, Vex, on the same day? Or is it UK first and then US? Yeah, so it's out on the 13th, also my birthday, actually, um, in the UK. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, out in the UK and the US. I think Australia's been a little bit delayed until June, I think. But yeah, 13th is the day and some people have already started receiving their copies. I saw. I saw that on social yeah. media that Amazon have been sending them out. Yeah, yeah. so some people have already a, got their copies. It is a really, really compelling read. I think it's, for me, when I read it, I just felt like it was, it's kind of almost a metaphor for the whole experience of us all going through this you know trauma together the journey and possibly the the outcome of freedom on the other side when we get through the other side and so I just wanted to end actually with a quote right at the end of the book which summed up for me what it was all about and also made me think this is why this is the perfect book for now and you wrote everything we've done in these pages has been leading to freedom Because at the end of it all, that's what self-healing is. Shedding the weight of the past, letting go and being liberated. Absolutely loved that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, nothing that I've written in the book is accidental. It It was almost like a metaphor for these times. And I didn't know that we'd be almost moving on from, I think, lockdown number three now in April. Because I think the easing really starts shifting on April the 12th and then my book's out on April it the does. 13th. But... I mean, the timing is really uncanny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I said to, to Hay House that I wanted to release the book on my birthday on April 13th, if it was possible, because it would be almost like my gift to humanity on, you know, we associate birthdays with receiving gifts, but I want to give this, this book as a gift to, to my followers, to people that like reading my work and other people that might be new to my work. And it's just it's just so strange right like how everything's connected and works out how it's supposed to and i i truly believe that that you know the the timing's right and i'd really hope that you know this book does make a difference i've literally poured my heart and soul into this book when i write i lock myself away and i literally give every single thing that i've got um and i truly believe you know i'm not saying that this book's going to heal everyone and the journey is going to be done um, and I talk about therapy and maybe using it in addition to therapy. I've had psychotherapists go to my book just to make sure that, you know, there was nothing. I wasn't making any too too many exaggerated claims. Um, but, you know, I've, I've really worked hard on, the, on, on this piece of work. And I, if I can say one thing, I just hope whoever reads it benefits from it in some way. Oh, well, it's already made a difference to one reader, Vex, and that's me. Because oh, you, I'm already You're writing down my my self care and realizing that I need to do a little <laughs> bit better. But thank you so You're much. It's been such a joy talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank 
Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Lost everything you tried to see Cause we've all been swept away, yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.